What do you get when the audacious and the therapist collide? A crash course in unpolished therapy. Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca aren't afraid to spin out of control, tackling all the tough talk. Their weekly sesh meets at the corner of Audacity and Advice, where their wheels and yours get turned upside down. Hey guys, it's Rachel Silver Cohen from Unpolished Therapy. It's episode number seven, and I have my sidekick here, Dr. Lori Feynman. What's up, Dr. Boca? Hello, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. We meet again. We meet again. We're on episode seven now, right? Oh my God. How did we get there already? I don't know. We don't have like the seven episode itch or anything yet, do we? Oh my God, no. Right? Could you imagine if we did? Bye-bye. See ya. Well, I mean, according to our track records with things we once loved, you never know. So I guess, you know, it's good. We should take our temperature here and there and make sure our communication stays on point and that we're still having a good time. Because at the end of the day, you know, sometimes we go heavy. We want to try to keep it light, but we always want to communicate and make sure we see eye to eye. So I think seven is heaven. I love seven is heaven. I am enjoying this. This is probably what brings me more joy than anything right now, especially in COVID times. I love our energy. I love the conversations that we're having. And guess what? I don't know about you, but the feedback that I'm getting has been really amazing. And I'm so proud of us. Well, yay. So yay for us. I love joy. We're spreading joy and tis the season because we could all use some joy. Speaking of season, I don't know about you, but with holidays that are right around the corner and everyone kind of making a list and checking it twice and seeing, you know. Are you naughty or nice? Well, I mean, what do you think? Uh, Not making that judgment. I feel like I'm like a little bit naughty, a little bit nice. I always said, you know, if I had a tattoo... Okay. So I know we're kind of like all over the place here, but I always said if I had a tattoo and maybe I do, maybe I don't. I mean, you know, I don't know that I'm ready to reveal that, but no, I don't have a tattoo. Tattoos are just not my thing at all. But if I was to have a tattoo, obviously it's got to be something that's meaningful and that's there for the long haul. One of the reasons that I cannot stand tattoos on people is because it's so fleeting. Like I love your, the ladybug or that flower or I mean, unless that really meant something to you that you're willing to ingrain it and brand it on your body for the rest of your natural born life. I don't get it. Right. That being said, though, if I was to have a tattoo, right, what would the tattoo be? It would be half angel, half devil. Mm, so there you I go. I mean, to your point, are you naughty or nice? I mean, maybe, you know, it's, how do you put that word together? Naughty, nice, noise. I don't know. Noise. Noise. But I don't have a tattoo, but we do want to spread joy. So what I was saying about the list, checking it twice and trying to do right by the world. And I hope people out there, I know it's been tough times to say the least. We're drowning in all the sadness because of the COVID situation and this 2020 year and whatnot. But if there's any way to give back a smidge, it feels good, right? You can do for other people and whatnot. I know kids in this generation, everybody, you know, wants and they think they need, but there's such a difference between needing and wanting. And we have a responsibility to find the balance as Lori, you've been trying to help me out with, but you're getting better, you know, so with these lists, so my kids, you know, Hanukkah's coming up and Christmas is right around the corner. I don't know what goes on in your household, but my kids, I said, Hey guys, the holidays are coming around. And even though I kind of feel like every day is Hanukkah in this house, because it kind of is, 
you kind of do want to spread a little joy and judge it up a little bit. And my kids asked if they could have that new Xbox thing that's that you can't find anywhere. What is that about? You have to like be on like the dark web in order to get this cockamamie piece of equipment. It's like the Cabbage Patch Kid for us. (laughs) And like, and then tickle me Elmo for the next generation. Like you can't fucking find it. And I am not like my mother who like went into Toys R Us, knocked people down, threw the voucher, you know, killed somebody in the process just to get me the Cabbage Patch. I am not doing that for my kids. Sorry. Well, let me tell you something. Mom, if you're listening, I love you to death. You did get me a Cabbage Patch doll. As a matter of fact, I remember the name of my doll. Her name was Laura, ready? Lorelai Kelly. Okay. But that being said, I was not a doll person at all. I wanted it because like that was the thing that you had to have, but I was like the worst caretaker of the doll situation. But again, I guarantee you my mom was probably not knocking people over. She wasn't waiting on a line at four o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, had the doll been there, done that, don't really care about it. You know, it was very short lived, but, but the kids, they, you know, they want this new hot to trot thing. And you, you have a daughter. I I can't imagine what goes on lists of young tween girls these days. You have no idea. It's not even lists. I get, um, every couple of days I get an update notes in my photos and there's pictures with the store and the price where I can find it. And then I go, of course, because we all want to make our children happy. And I go and I order it. And then guess what? The next day I get an update to the list and it's no longer on the list. So now I have to cancel the order. And I, okay, can I, can I just say this? I want to vomit at the cost of the things that tween girls like. When I was a kid, like a tween girl wanted, you know, a $30 swatch watch, mm-hmm. okay? Or and that was one of the bigger gifts, right? Huge. We would give for bot mitzvahs. Yep. Okay. And $30 at that time was, I guess, a lot of money. Or we wanted, I remember for my teen years, I got my first phone, not a cell phone, a landline phone, right? And I wanted the one that looked like a piano that played music when you weren't using it. And like, it was this big to do in my family until I finally got it. My daughter is asking for sweatpants that cost, like I might have to mortgage my home for the sweatpants, right? And then she wants like multiples of these. And I can't wrap my head around it because she's still growing. So I don't know how to spend all of this money so that tomorrow it doesn't fit her. It's crazy. And then my son wants nothing. Nothing. Well, I know. And I wish I had an answer for you. I really don't because I empathize. I don't have a daughter. I think God gives you what you can handle. (laughs) Clearly, having another female one of me would just not help the universe at all. So I'm going to stick with my two boys who really want this gaming thing that's just, you know, I'm not willing to wake up at two, three, four o'clock in the morning and wait online to not be able to get what it is they want. So in our house, we revert back to, can I take you out for like a really beautiful, fancy dinner and you can order everything on the menu? Because my kids, I can't keep it in the house fast enough. And as moms, we show our love with food, I guess. And that's kind of, I guess, what we're going to do for Hanukkah. But it does point to to like the money situation. And in today's world, I have to tell you, everyone always says, and they've been saying it since the dawn of time or, or the beginning of time. 
beginning of time. You know, money doesn't make you happy, right? But I got to tell you something. It kind of makes you happier. It helps. Doesn't suck, right? It's a really nice band-aid. And in today's world, again, we've got to be grateful for still having a job and even having an opportunity to give our kids any little bit of a gift because a little bit goes a long way. And we need to be very sensitive to the rest of the world out there that is having money struggles. And I'll tell you, you know, last week, Lori, we touched on and we kind of just tip the iceberg on fear and how debilitating that can be when you're in limbo and whatnot. And one of the things that when we're talking about that, you know, yes, I had gotten divorced and whatnot. I will tell you that the ramifications of divorce, of course, you know, what's part and parcel, if you will, is that money piece. And money for me is a real sensitive topic. People in my immediate world know how sensitive I am about it because money makes the world go round. And, you know, again, being that decision maker relative to ending the marriage, you have to be able to also put up or shut up when it comes to what those ramifications are. And money is a big piece of that. So now as a single mom, trying to still give to my kids the things that I feel that, you know, I don't know if deserving is the right word, but they shouldn't fall short because we, we, me, made an adult decision to shift things around. And, you know, a single mom, I'm back at work, I'm grinding it out, you know, the pressure, money and money issues is a real thing. And I don't want to sugarcoat that at all. There's fear involved with that too. And you can't let it get in the way of doing what you need to do so that the money flows. But it's scary. And for me, and I don't know if you and I've talked about it, I don't know if other women out there feel this way. But after so many years of staying home with your kids, right? Most of us had careers and, and I'm fairly proud of the career I had prior to having children. Then I had the privilege, you know, I'll call it a privilege of being home and, and I had given up that career. Now, all these years later, you make this life decision, you take a leap of faith, you take a risk, as you mentioned last week. And now you play the hand that essentially you've dealt yourself. Mm-hmm. So you're back at work, money that you never really had to think about prior. It's staring you in the face and it's blinding. So I've had some issues over the last couple of years of even just evaluating my self-worth as it relates to money because I know how hard it is to make and I feel as though, am I less than if I can't keep up with people who make more money than I do? And I know it shouldn't define you. I get it from an intellectual standpoint, but maybe you can help me from your vantage point. There is an emotional piece to money and what it represents for men, for women, parents, all of us. So do you want to jump in and help break down that wreckage? There's so much there and we could talk about money forever. I remember years and years ago when my father started a new career later in life and he became a financial planner and he sent me this article. I was just starting graduate school and it was an article about how psychologists are partnering with financial planners because there's so much emotion around money, whether that's Holocaust survivors and the idea that they're going to outlive their money, whether it's young families starting that came from money and now don't have money. And what does that mean? People divorced. There was all these emotional feelings. And if that you sat down and this kind of ties to what we talked about last week is knowledge is power. And so when you sit down and you see numbers and you have them I'm going to make up a word, which I do all the time for those that don't know me. But if you trajectorize it, it's a good word. Trajectorize. Right? It's a good okay. word. Okay. So Fair enough. Traject- I know what it means. 
<laughs> you know exactly what all my words that I make up mean, but they're just not English. It may not be in the urban dictionary, but we'll put it in the unpolished dictionary. Amazing. I am officially in the unpolished dictionary. Awesome. So if you trajectorize the future and you see that the money that you have today is going to get you to where you want with the things that you want, your emotional state changes about it and you put trust in it and you feel more confident. But when you don't know that and you're living paycheck to paycheck or you're living and you know how hard you have to work to get X amount of dollars. And then, like you said, you don't want to punish your children for the choices that you made because they're good kids. And good kids, we want to give them what they deserve, right? So that conflict of, oh my gosh, you know, did I make the wrong decision? Why are my kids being punished? It brings up so much emotional baggage. Now, I want to step back for one second and put something out there that, yes, as a single mom, you are doing amazing. And yes, this is a very real topic. But so that you don't feel alone, I am sure there are many of our listeners who can relate to this statement, married or not married, okay? Everybody deals with money at some point. Okay. And for me, who's worked with many, many, many couples, there are three things that bring couples into, into my office, right? Not because they like me. That's not why they're coming. They're coming for three reasons. And really everything stems from these three reasons, sex, money, and communication. Okay. So if you look at any relationship, those are the three things. So I say that to you, not to diminish the anxiety that you have about money, but to speak to the, I was going to make up another word, globality, but that's not actually a word either. I mean, at some point, Lori, I got to drop the hammer. I'll give you trajectorize, but global, global, or whatever the fuck you just said, we're going to ask that it's one. Nice. didn't make it into the dictionary this time. No, okay. no Generalize. How's that? Generalize. Okay. Everybody can relate to it on some level, right? Especially, I think now in COVID, because people who had a lot of money to income families or one income family who like worked in an industry that they were bringing in hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars and that industry went bust or both jobs got lost or people got divorced and now are looking for jobs to make money. So now because they were so unhappy when their life stopped and they took stock of their situation, fought through the fear, left. Now they're looking because they've been raising their kids and didn't have jobs for many, many years. Now they're trying to get back into the workforce in a workforce that doesn't really exist right now. So I wanted to say all of that. Now to go back to the self-esteem perspective, men generalizing again, but men tend to place all of their self-worth or the the vast majority of their self-worth on their occupation and money. Women, I think we lose that component when we are in a committed relationship with a man who feels that way already, right? Because they're like the breadwinner, right? You know, these are sexual stereotypes and things. But for the most part, you kind of feel like, okay, even if I'm not making a lot of money, he's making more money. It's together. We're joint. We got double what we had. Now, when a woman gets divorced, I can't tell you how many women I've worked with where the quintessential thing that keeps them in the marriage, talk about fear, is not, I'm never going to meet another person on the other side. It's oh my God, I can't make ends meet if I leave. Like, why would I give up my beautiful, cushy financial life where Mm -hmm. I can not think about money, not work, lunch with my friends, and now leave to have nothing? Yeah. And I get that. On my end, I will tell you, I didn't think about money much at all when I was married. Things were very comfortable and so on and so forth. I knew what my role was, but I have to tell you now, and that was not 
that didn't even come into play when I was getting divorced. And truth be told, now look at where I'm at. And again, these are back to the consequences, the choices we make. And now we have to put our big girl panties on and we got to go out there and we've got to make the donuts. And I am, and I'm proud of that. And that's great. Okay. I probably always at some point would have gone back to work anyway. I pride myself as that alpha female and the whole stay at home mommy thing. You know, I have friends who say to me, the, the defining moment when they first met me was the mommy and me classes or whatever. And we're all going around the circle and what we like, what we don't like. And one of my girlfriends was like, you had said something like, you can't believe you're sitting here clapping hands and you know, changing diapers because you used to be like this working person. So, you know, that identity shift, we have to reevaluate that too. But for me, I do feel behind the eight ball. And now I do put so much stock into value, literally and figuratively. Not that I'm judging other people. This is strictly of myself because I know how hard it is now. And I have mad respect for the men out there who work their asses off and provide for their wife, for their several children. They are busting their ass. They've now put in 25 years of, of you know their blood, sweat, and tears. And I don't want to undermine the woman's role. They definitely have that role. But now when I'm in more of that alpha male position, that I'm back at work, but I'm also playing mom and all of that, I'm sensitive to it because I know how hard it is and I'm just barely keeping up. It drives me more to to continue to work hard to play catch up. But with money too, I mean, is it ever enough? It's never enough. It's no. never enough. And I'll, you know, I'll tell you something funny. I'm kind of outing myself here on this. And you know how us as married wives, if you will, and me, you know, past tense, but back in the day, we'd go out and like, we'd buy something, you know, at, at the mall or a department store or whatever. And we'd come home and we'd like squirrel it away in the closet, right? And then I remember when I was married and if my ex-husband is listening, please don't be mad at me. We'd get dressed to go out to dinner or whatever. And he'd be like, Oh, is that a new top? And I'd be like, No, I've had this forever. (laughs) Right. And it's like, you're trying to like pull the wool over their eyes. Now, not that I'm buying much these days because of COVID and whatever. But now I laugh when I find myself coming home with packages because it's like, who am I hiding that from? Right. The only eyes that I'm pulling the wool over would be my own. And I'm completely aware when my Amex app blings every time that there's, you know, that's a charge. And that's anxiety provoking is every time that Amex married or not, every time that Amex charge comes up, like whoever invented that must have some relationship to Xanax. Or some like partnership where they get like a kickback. Because every time that goes on, there's women in the world who are stopping in their track needing to take a Xanax. I'm telling you. Totally. So anyway, you know, I'm not squirreling away anything in the back. If anything now, I have to tell you, if I'm going to buy something, I'm going to wear it proudly and loudly. And I do feel empowered that the only one paying for whatever it is is myself. And it does feel great, but it doesn't take away from that riddled angst of, oh my God, you know, you're only as good as your last paycheck. And in my case, it's a sales position. It's commission driven only. There's no floating drawer around. You know, it's definitely money is, is the testy, testy, unpolished piece. It is. It's totally unpolished. And a lot of people don't even like to talk about it, but you know, One of the things that you and I have talked about is how hard you are in yourself and your high expectations, right? So again, not therapy, but... Wait, 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 wait. I love... This is my favorite part. The disclaimers, everybody. 
we don't want Dr. Boga losing her license. So let me just please indulge me and let me remind all of you, okay, that what we talk about in this podcast, as unpolished as it may be, are just opinions of Lori and myself. We are not looking to have anyone knock on her door and revoke her license. Uh, It represents strictly content that's for informational and entertainment purposes. Be that as it may. Okay, Lori, please continue. Well done. And thank you for covering my ass. My husband appreciates it. Not a problem. I bring in money, right? But that aside, you know, you're very hard on yourself sometimes. And I think you need to take a step back and see it from the perspective of people who know you and understand you. Like there is so much that is amazing about your determination and perseverance. And there is nobody that I know who put in the situation that you are in right now, that you either chose or were put in, it doesn't matter, who is taking the bull by the horn and really putting themselves out there and doing what needs to be done in order to provide for her family. You are on that phone. I have walked in. I hope your people aren't listening, but I've like walked in and you've been literally closing a deal. You've upsold to like a higher level that is like so amazing. I'm like belling, okay? And if I had to get on that phone and have that conversation, there is no way I could have been as articulate, as confident, as truly genuine as you are when you're on that call. I've seen it in action and it is so remarkable. And I think that there's part of that is because there is that, necessity in it. And there's also this drive in you that you're not going to let a decision that you made for the betterment of you be thwarted. Is that a word? Thwarted? Yeah. Yeah. Good. I got that one. Well done. Thank you. Thwarted because of fear. And I think that that in vivo experience that I saw with you speaks to this greater concept that fear doesn't have to get in our way of going out of our comfort zone and doing things. It's really, I mean, I have to tell you because I don't think I said it to you when it happened, but it stuck with me. It was such a poignant moment in my ability to see your strength. And interestingly, like that's not the only thing you're doing. You're still you're doing this podcast, you know, one day, maybe we'll have advertisers, advertisers come, please help us, right? So that Rachel can shed herself of some of this anxiety, how wonderful would that be? But you also are writing and you have your passion projects and you're constantly looking for things. And it's not all work. Not all of it is bringing in money today, but maybe in the future it does. But you have not stopped and you have not given up on yourself and your kids, which is so amazing. So I had to say it. Yeah, well, thank you. And you know, when you say that to me, it reminds me to remind others that if I feel this way, maybe there's other people out there that feel that way too. And again, I'm the queen of do as I say, not as I do, or I guess do as I think you should feel, not how I feel. And that is my kind of vulnerability piece. We all kind of have those scars and the pieces of us that kind of are fractured. It does take time to build that back up. But when you reminded that our worth is across the board in a lot of different columns, it's not just one area, it does level out. And I'm going to try to practice what Dr. Boca has just preached and be a little kinder to myself because it does make sense that, you know, maybe we fall short 
on the balance sheet, you know, at least in my world, that's what I think of myself. But I know intellectually that that's not the whole piece of the pie, if you will, or that's not the whole pie that's only a piece. We all have a lot to offer. Sometimes we do, it's just the nature of the beast and who we are, certainly who we are when we're unpolished, is that we tend to focus on what our deficits are as opposed to champion some of our strengths. So I'm going to try to help myself and work on that through your help, Lori. But again, you know, money, it can be, I guess, the root of all evils. But if we can try to break down that it doesn't have to be, our common theme that we keep coming back to is we're doing the best we can. I thought you hated that saying. I do. I do. I really can't stand it. It's really a trigger for me. But I don't know. Maybe we should like try to like hashtag it and like make some money off of it. Who knows? There you go. See, we're using our brains a little to capitalize on a fear or whatnot. But yeah, you know, look, money is something. It's always going to be a thorn in the side of those who probably struggle in that department. And I would probably argue that those we've heard stories on the opposite end, having so much money creates a whole host of other issues. I certainly can't speak to what those are personally. You know, you hear those stories. My God, it must be such hard work having all that money. My God, I feel so bad. Let me get my violin out for you. But I guess, right? I mean, maybe some people have self-worth issues in that thinking, do they only like me, right? Because of my wallet. I have a friend. I'll never forget this. It's an old colleague of mine from a million years ago who used to say, someone might have once said to him, how tall are you? And the response was much taller when I stand on my wallet. And you know, it's funny because I guess some people really do identify themselves with money. And when I hear it from that aspect, I kind of shame on me that I shouldn't be so wrapped up in my own worth as it relates to dollars and cents. But it's part of this unpolished world and we've got to talk about it a little yeah. bit. And I think everybody can relate to it on some level. And I think the important takeaway from this is exactly what you said. It doesn't define us. It's a part of who we are, just like we have a million other parts, you know, how we are as parents, who we are as people, how we are as children to our families, you know, how we are as friends, all of these things that define us in different ways. And if we let one thing define us, the problem is that when we lose that one thing or it doesn't pan out, we crumble, right? And we don't want to crumble. So we want to kind of like have a little bit in every, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket saying, we want to kind of put eggs in every single basket and see things. I'm one of the things that I hope to help the world do through this podcast is kind of flip things on their head, see it from a different perspective, breathe a little bit, you know, and say, hey, it's really like, we are like, you just said doing the best we can do. And it's okay. It's okay. You know what would be even better than okay? If those eggs that we're putting in all those baskets were like golden eggs. Oh, like, yeah, get a well, goose to lay some golden eggs. <laughs> when the cows come home, the right. chickens are going to lay some golden eggs. Well, you know what? The good news is, is that our podcast is definitely financially flexible in the <laughs> sense that it's free of charge to anybody out there who wants to download the unpolishedness and listen in on Lori and I as we break down the wreckage. And, you know, look, they say talk is cheap and unpolished therapy (laughs) talk is really cheap. The cheapest non-therapy therapy you're going to get and the best laughs you're going to get. So for the record, just to come full circle since we're out of time, if you're looking for a Hanukkah gift or a Christmas gift, Tell people about Unpolished Therapy, right? Give it to them, put it on their phone, send them the link. It's a beautiful gift. It will get them through the holidays. 
and you won't have to spend any money. Exactly. And isn't that the beauty of spreading joy, right? It's free joy for all of us. Laughter is the best gift that there is. Absolutely. Uh, it doesn't cost but a buck. It costs nothing, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So that's all the time we have. Our time is up. It was so great talking to you about the stress of money, money, defining ourselves by money and spreading joy into the world. Yeah. Money, 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 money. All right, everyone. Go back to working. Go make your money. Go do what you need to do. And we'll catch you next time on Unpolished Therapy. Great sesh, girls. Hey, everyone. Like what you heard? Then don't miss out on what comes next. Subscribe now and please give the girls a five-star rating. Learn more at www.unpolishedtherapy.com. Find and like them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next week when Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca ditch the couch, grab the mic, and break down all the wreckage.